You are listening to an SAFM podcast, 104 to 107 nationwide. Stream us live on www.safm.co.za or via the SABC Plus app. SABC News, independent and impartial. seriously do South Africans seem to consider election manifestos before deciding on which political party to vote for? Let's unpack this now and speak to Dr. Stemblembete, political analyst and lecturer in the Department of Political Sciences at the University of Pretoria, as well as Professor Shepard Mbofu, Associate Professor for Media Studies at UNISA. Good morning to you both and thank you so much for your time. I'm going to start with a big question because um, Dr. Mbete, one of the things that is, is very clear from some of the comments from our listeners this morning and what we're also seeing on, on, on social media is that some people seem to be basing their decisions on the party, who the party leader is, some of the qualities, and not so much as the manifestos. How seriously do South Africans take the manifestos? Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. And hi to Prof. Mpofo um, as well. Uh, look, I think that most people don't really read manifestos or engage with them. Uh, I think that a lot of uh, South African political decision making is made based on our affinity with a political party or a leader that resonates with us um, and not so much on uh, the priorities and policies and goals that are set out by a party in a manifesto from election to election. I think that um, what Umama also said said, which, which I think is, is an important thing, is that often in South African politics, there's not a huge amount of difference between mm. what is being promised by one political party to another. There'll be sort of agreement that, you know, corruption is a problem, so we need to deal with corruption, or um, that we need to, you know, fix our education system. But because uh, a lot of our politics, or too, very little of our politics is really ideological in the sense of having a very clearly right-wing or clearly left-wing or clearly you know, centre-right or centre-left um, definitions really in our party, in, amongst our parties, or that's a Green Party or or whatever else, that um, the kind of uh, clear policy distinctions uh, in political party platforms aren't always there. And then a final thing is that political manifestos or election manifestos are... Uh, often presented as these sort of books, you know, a lot of reading. Mm. It's 60-something pages or 70-something pages. The the EFF one that was released yesterday is 260 pages. And the reality is that very few people uh, or at least ordinary voters are going to go through uh, a a big, thick, you know, a kind of Bible of that nature uh, even before an election. And so a lot of what uh, the ordinary citizen gets about what an election is or what an, a party's election platform is then ends up coming through the media, through the radio like this, um, or through newspapers or through television. And so even when people are engaging with the policy promises or priorities of a party, they often are not doing it directly by reading the manifesto, uh, but are actually doing it through the media that they consume about uh, what the party has said. 
And I'm, I'm going to come back to some of what you've said, Dr. Mbele, but let me go to Prof Mpofu. Prof, um, let's start then with your view on whether or not people take these manifestos seriously, because in some instances, they're pretty much an indication of, for example, the party's position or the, how the party sees the real world as opposed to its competitors or what will it do for the voters should it be voted in. So how much of this does it you know, count for the voters? Um, good morning to both of you and good morning to your listeners. Um, I think at one level we can say that uh, uh, potential voters do take uh, manifestos seriously. And I say potential voters meaning those who um, whose minds are not really made up on which party to vote for and also potential voters in terms of those who are willing to persuade uh, by uh, political parties that actually bring uh, attractive policies or attractive promises, um, you find that there are certain people that are willing to vote for any for for, for a certain political party because of tradition, as it were, where somebody's blood is yellow, blue, black, or whatever the case is, you know. And then there are those that are um, willing to go through what the promises are and. Um, make an informed decision, or just make a decision after 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 going through those. But um, as, as, as Dr. Mbete said, some don't even read uh, the the manifesto. I like the the ANC manifesto. I think for 2019, it was it was they released quite a shorter manifesto than the others, <laughs> which made it quite easier for people to go through what whatever they were promising. But at the same time, I think um, if you look at um, mostly in Africa, where our problems are the same, uh, so the the political parties will always campaign around or make promises about jobs, electricity, water, and the like. You know, um, not so much about international relations and security and, and the like, like you would have in countries like America, for instance, where um, you might not hear much about uh, building of bridges, uh, mending of potholes and stuff, but you will hear so much about uh, protecting America from international um, um, uh, crimes or terrorists and the like. So you 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 find that the, the the manifestos will therefore appeal to different people differently to an extent that we cannot say uh for sure that people don't take them seriously yeah. or people do take them seriously so it's according to what people um uh, expect their current lived realities and conditions uh that that would matter because dr mbete and i will definitely read manifestos yeah. and try to make sense and if you're saying you're going to give people five thousand rand mm. um social mm. grants we look at our at our at our pay slips and we look at the text that's gonna come and we definitely like you're not gonna vote for you <laughs> right but if you are promised that five thousand rand definitely you're going to vote for me because i'm promising you mm. that that you don't care where it comes from. Yeah. So there are those dynamics that are involved. So, Prof, then let me stay with you before I go back to Dr. Mbete. So uh, you, you mentioned something that I was also going to look at, the the, the simplification um, of these manifestos, and Dr. Mbete also touched on it. How important is that, particularly in, in, in a, a potential voter that is not going to read the 300-page odd or 200-page 
odd, you know, manifesto. And then we have to rely on the on the on the statements by the leaders of the parties. What are they saying in the campaign trails? Uh, what is the media reporting on, and what is the media emphasizing on? Um, what are they saying on their um, electoral posters on the roads? I think that's that, that partly becomes sort of an information uh, site for those who are not going to go through and. Um, and it's quite important to actually simplify to an, to, 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 to an extent that is easier to, 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 to understand for an average potential um, uh, voter. But, but again, you know, if you listen to manifest, if you read a manifesto, you listen to the speech, you look at the electoral campaign material, sometimes there are contradictions and there are inco there's incompleteness, as it were. But, but what's more important is what the leader says for those who haven't read, and yeah. um, uh, how, how, how forceful are they on the on the core issues that they want to to discuss, and also striking um, um, uh, striking a right note with the voters uh, in terms of uh, their lived realities, what they are going through, what their expectations are. You definitely would not run in manifesto that doesn't speak about ESCOM in South Africa. Uh, crime, illegal immigration, provision of jobs, you know, those things are quite important rather than um, your uh, international relations with Cuba or America or NATO or Russia and the like. Dr. Mbete, um, you know, one of the other things that is also um, an interesting talking point and a look at is these particular manifestos are promises and this is what an, a, a political party says we're going to do should we vote us in but how good are we in terms of tracking these promises against the delivery well, uh, I think there's two things to think about those promises. The first is that, yes, it's a political party's promise to the people about this, what we're going to do when we go in. But we also know that government is a huge machine, right? So if you take over the national government of the country, you're not only taking over uh, all of these uh, ministries and departments, but also you're going to be making policy for the state-owned enterprises, uh, for, you know, for schools, for theatres, um, you know, arts and culture. And so when you consider that a government is a big machine like that, and sometimes there will be policies that are being implemented already, international commitments that have been made, uh, budget commitments that have been made, where when you then come into government, it's not like you can reverse everything that was done by the people who were there before mm. and then start doing what you want to do immediately. Often what will happen is that you need to, you know, adjust to the policy cycle of government, the budgeting cycle. And so the point I'm making is that it takes a really long, it can take actually a really long time to start implementing those manifesto promises that you made. And so then you've pro promised one thing in an election year, uh, the budget cycle is a three-year cycle, so you can only start implementing that thing or really start bringing that into place um, three years into uh, your electoral term, at which point you're already now starting to think and campaign about the election that's going to happen in two years' time mm. uh, and re-election. So I think that there's also just a practical thing about how a lot of manifestos uh, or, or manifesto promises that are the most, uh, you know, 
imaginative visionary will not necessarily be the ones that can actually be implemented because of the way governance and government works. I think that the other thing is that a lot of the manifesto promises and and you know the agenda so to speak that's set out in a manifesto is also not necessarily directed to the voter uh, or meant for the voter to understand in detail but is directed to all of these other stakeholders that matter in a society whether it's the media uh, like yourselves, uh, analysts like us who are going to then interpret and, and and try to translate what a manifesto is for the general public, but also donors, the business community, uh, you know, mm. international observers to say, well, look, this is what we think um, or this is what we are about or this is what we want to prioritize in the next five years. And that's how you attract uh, funding from donors. It's how uh, you 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 set up a platform um, for for your party and what you think um, that then becomes the basis on which you interact uh, with your international partners um, or, or, or other people outside of South Africa. So the manifesto is also not only directed to talking to voters, but it's also all of these other stakeholders. And um, and often it'll be those stakeholders that are tracking the implementation of some of the of, of the manifesto more than the voters or the citizens themselves. And then the last thing is that, and I think Prof. Uh, um, said this quite well, is that for most people, you're dealing with everyday things, the potholes, the uh, ESCOM, is there water coming out of the tap? Um, you know, is there, are the buses working? Are the trains working? And so for so many people, you get caught up in, you know, the everyday challenges of living and you're not interpreting those challenges all the time in the lens of, well, the manifesto said you were going to do this and now you're not doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the tracking, I think, uh, that you're referring to of manifesto promises by ordinary people isn't something that happens in a common way, but that I think is also the role of the media, uh, of other parts of society, whose job really is to uh, keep track on these things um, in a more regular and systematic fashion uh, than the ordinary person on the street. And let's continue then this conversation. Prof, um, you know, a few years ago, there was an article by Umpemetsu Sibanda, and it was calling for manifestos to potentially be legally binding so that parties can be forced to implement some of the things that they, they promised there. What do you think on that? Um, you, you know, on the on the campaign, on the political trail, you get overexcited and you say a lot of things, especially when the crowd is clapping. <laughs> and you excited to promise them one million RTP houses and then you fail to deliver in your five years. I don't think they necessarily need to be um, uh, binding, but I, we we need systems. You are talking about tracking systems that, uh, if the media take the the manifesto seriously and the promises that are made seriously, and then at the end of the uh, five year period or whatever the term of that um, uh, parliament or presidency is, 
you score the president and people take those seriously, I think it will work uh, a bit better than <laughs> than making them legally binding because I don't think it will be good for democracy to make those things to be legally binding. Um, because in, look, look at an instance where um, during your five-year term, COVID comes up and you never spoke about it in your in your manifesto and there's need for you to channel certain funds from one place to another, uh, you know, and you operating in a crisis and some will argue that legally this was not in our manifesto. Therefore, legally we cannot um, attend to certain things. We cannot divert funds to assist in certain areas. So in those in those type of instances, it becomes very difficult to make them legally binding. And um, also, politicians will never uh, be taken as so much seriously as to be people to be bound by anything legal. So, yeah. for me, it won't it won't uh, really be a, a very sort of plausible, feasible idea to to do. Uh, Dr. Mbete, you, you know, Prof mentioned something very, very important, and you also mentioned it as well. And I don't want it to be lost on us because it's, it's we also need to, to, you know, really look at this very clearly and the role we play as the medium. When it comes to what we do around this time, as well as the five years that a political party would be in government, what becomes our critical role in ensuring that we also look at the manifestos as well and track and and how do we even begin to decipher and engage with manifestos so that our listeners and viewers are able to understand what's being said? I think that for the for the media, the big uh, Something that's really important is uh, having sort of research capacity and having people who can uh, look at, so, you know, for this year, for 2024, yes, these parties that are all releasing their manifestos, for the parties that contested in the election in 2019, and I think especially for the 14 parties who are represented in the National Assembly, we have 14 parties, there were 48 parties that contested the 2019 election uh, nationally, and uh, or, or I think 36 something parties that contested the election nationally, in 2019, and uh, 14 of those got seats in the National Assembly. So I think just as a start, to look at the manifestos of those parties from 2019 and to look at their manifestos from 2024 and to say, well, you know, so obviously for the party that is in government, uh, there's monitoring there uh, uh, around what did they actually achieve? But I think even for the parties that are not in government, but that are in part in in parliament, and who um, can still uh, put forward or promote. Uh, parts of their manifesto, even as MPs in the committee system, uh, when there's legislation around certain things. So, I mean, the EFF did succeed in bringing the issue of um, expropriation without compensation and the and and um, the 
amendment of Section 25 of the Constitution, uh, even though that wasn't successful, but that was an EFF manifesto uh, promise that they actually did succeed in getting conversation about, um, even though they lost that battle in in, in the National Assembly. So I think that um, it's really not a matter, and and the media that does have uh, at least more resources than the ordinary person to look at what came before, look at what's there today. But also when you're then reporting things, for example, like uh, on reporting on ESCOM and Stage 6, or when we are reporting um, on um, on what's happening in hospitals, for example, to actually say, no, hold on, what was promised about this in the last election? Um, and, you know, and is this consistent with that? Uh, and what has progress been made or what progress hasn't been made? And so I think that looking at um, at the things that happen uh, with between elections, not just as these events that are happening, but looking at them in the context yeah. uh, of the manifestos and what was promised. You can find SAFM Current Affairs on 104 to 107 nationwide. Our podcasts are available for download on all our digital platforms. SAFM, leading the conversation.